In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who has brought us thus far by faith. Amen. But who do you say that I am? What a question to be asked by God himself. And these disciples, they've seen their friend preach and teach and heal and feed. But even still, we all know there's so much they've yet to see. But who do you say that I am? Jesus asked. I hope it's not a terrible thing for a priest to admit that it feels like a big question. If someone stopped you on the street and asked, who is Jesus? You might feel a tad tongue-tied. Us Episcopalians are not so accustomed to giving our testimony. But let's back up a bit, because Jesus doesn't start there. Walking along the road, Jesus asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? That's a self-reference. Jesus is asking his friends what they've heard about him and what he's up to. What's the word on the street? What are people saying? Several of Jesus' friends have an answer to that question. They can repeat what they've heard along the way amongst the gathering crowds. And when Jesus reframes the question and wants to know what they have said, it's Simon Peter who boldly pipes up with the answer that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of the living God. This story might feel more familiar if I give you the reminder that this is actually a cliffhanger ending. Our gospel next week continues this story, this conversation. And just as quickly as Peter gives the right answer this week, next week he'll give the wrong one and Jesus will tell him, get behind me, Satan. But let's not get ahead of ourselves, as Matthew's Gospel also says, today's trouble is enough for today. We should focus in on this question and let Simon Peter have his moment in the sun. But who do you say that I am? Jesus is asking. And what is our answer? Who is Jesus? Who is God to you? It's okay to take your time. Maybe you are thinking of words you've heard, lines from favorite hymns or prayers or scriptures. Maybe there's some catechism in there, words you know you've been taught or know by heart. And that's all good. We have a creed, a beautiful tradition of teaching. But those answers might be to a different question. Who do people say that the Son of Man is? What do other people have to say about who God is? Now, what do you have to say? It's actually okay if you don't have a quick answer, because that is the question of our lives of faith. And like our lives, your answer will shift and grow and change. Who do you say Jesus is? That's a journeying question. I've been reminded recently of a passage by the writer Rainer Maria Rilke in his letters to a young poet. You stand before beginnings, Rilke says. Have patience with everything that remains unsolved in your heart. Try to love the questions themselves, like locked rooms and like books written in a foreign language. Do not now look for answers. They cannot yet be given to you because you could not live them. It is a question of experiencing everything. At present, 
You need to live the question. Amid so much heartache and uncertainty in this crazy year, maybe you don't always know who God is, where God is. Maybe you haven't been able to see and feel and hear hope and grace at work in the world. That is so hard, and you're not alone. Perhaps crisis has made Jesus all the more present to you. You have been able to see the face of God in your neighbor like never before, felt God's peace and God's power in newly quiet moments, like a steadying companion through the unknown. You're not alone in that either, and thanks be to God. We're at so many different places on our journey with Jesus, and we all will be somewhere else soon. We are all living the question, who is God to you? I don't know what's coming for any of us, and I have been praying for our community, for you, that the presence of God, the love of God, the will of God, the companionship of God would be clear to all of us, a beacon for all of us. That we can persevere through change, through living the question, so much is yet to come. So much was yet to come for Peter, too, and I found new comfort in this story now. The Gospel of Matthew uses Peter very pointedly as a stand-in for all of us, our humanness. This week we hear Peter say that Jesus is the Messiah, and next week we'll hear the ways Peter doesn't actually yet know what that means. The theologian Debbie Thomas writes, I like that Peter's confession, you are the Messiah, signals the beginning of his exploration of Jesus' identity, not its end. We get to know the whole story. We know that at this moment, on the road at Caesarea Philippi, Peter could not even imagine all that he would come to live through, how his answer to that question would be transformed. Who do I say that you are? He might one day answer differently. Who do I say that you are? You're the one who found me and gave me a new vocation. You're the one who washed my feet even though it made me ashamed. You're the one who told me I would abandon you when you needed me most. You're the one who rose from the dead, who forgave my shortcomings. You're the one who breathed the Holy Spirit into my life, my preaching, my leadership. Who do I say that you are? You're the one who is with me until the end and after the end. You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. So much was yet to come for Peter and for all of us. We have to live the question. Who do you say Jesus is? Who do we say God is? We have the beginning of our answers, and our whole life will be bound up in finishing them. It's not easy for me to say that we should love the questions them themselves, that we should live the question with purpose, when so often these days it feels like all the questions are living us. Maybe you don't have to love every question, but I do think that we should love this one. But who do you say that I am? Jesus asked his disciples, and there's a shocking vulnerability in it. There's relationship in it. Who am I to you? Jesus is asking, what is happening in this life that we are living together? 
God is living the questions right along with us, ahead of us even, showing us that there is nowhere we can go, that God has not prepared a place for us, even in the midst of fear or truly painful, anxious uncertainty. And on that note, it feels unfair to leave you with questions only, so I want to conclude by sharing one answer I found. Jesus speaks today about binding and loosing, that whatever we bind on earth will be bound in heaven, whatever we loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. As we live all these questions, as we struggle and triumph with Jesus by our side, we need to let loose praise. We need to let loose praise. Praise is our only certainty in the face of uncertainty. It is recognizing what, it ha what we have. It is claiming what is. Whether you are on solid ground or shifting sands, taking stock of each thing reorients us no matter what is left. We all woke up this morning. We all woke up this morning, thank God. And even if you can't get to that thank God place yet, if you still have too many questions for that, even piling up those little things, waking up, taking a step, seeing the sun, coming to church in person or far away, thanks be to God. We can let loose praise to grab a hold of our uncertainty again. And then we can ask God, what's next? Debbie Thomas writes that Jesus is as powerfully present in the questions as he is in the answers. Jesus is with us in our wondering and learning just as much as in our praise. Have patience with everything that remains unsolved in your heart. Learn to love the questions. To love what is unsolved is not to deny Jesus, but to welcome him to come more fully into your heart. And we are blessed to have a God who seeks to know us, who desires to be known, who asks that after us again and again and again. Amen.